0: Please be seated and turn tonight to John chapter 18. That's where we'll begin as we work through this narrative. We've been working through John's gospel over this last few Sundays and services of Holy Week. Our theme has been the King of Love. We'll look tonight at portions of John 18 and John 19. There was an older movie called Grand Torino. It was about a troubled and conflicted man. His name was Walt Kowalski. Walt was confused, at least, angry, bitter. He was a Korean War veteran. Moved back into his town down in Detroit moved back into a neighborhood that, since he had been gone as a boy, had turned and was a blighted neighborhood. He was racist. He was angry. He was bitter at what had happened in his life. He was a widower. And Walt had, was next door at neighbors with a Chinese family. And there was a young boy named Tao who lived next door. There was a lot of gang activity in the neighborhood and young Tao was a teenage boy. He didn't want to be caught up in the gang activity, but it was overwhelming for for him to try to protect himself, for him to have some sense of family and not be on the wrong side of the gang. He felt pressure to join these gangs. So against his better will and wishes, to initiate himself into this gang he didn't even want to be in. He was told he had to steal Walt's 1972 Ford Grand Torino. Grand Torino, rather. Walt catches him. It's a disgrace for young Tao. He's not able to steal the car, and not only does he look weak in front of the gang, his own family is disgusted with him. They're ashamed at what their son has become. The family forces this young man, Tao, to work with Walt. Walt's hateful. He's prejudiced. He's angry. But he starts to be forced into having a warm place in his heart for his neighbors and for young Tao. He understands that young Tao is caught in a situation he didn't want to be in. Well, the gang activity increases, and, and uh, Walt, at one point, by the way, this is, this is Clint Eastwood, if you need the picture of who Walt is. Walt is driving by in his truck, and Tal's sister is about to be attacked by some men, and, and he delivers, he rescues her, and then as the story goes on and on, the gang activity increases, and they are threatening Walt, and Walt is threatening them back. The movie climaxes at the end where Walt trying to free Tao and his family from this gang oppression goes with a gun to the gangbanger's house and they're all there and he's already threatened them and they've already threatened him and he stands in front of their house and he calls them all out and all the neighbors come out as well. And Walt reaches in his coat pocket and pulls out and before he can pull it out all the gang meters members shoot him down in their sidewalk and as Hollywood attempts to do he falls back hands spread open like a cross big lighter falling out of his hand what you come to realize is that Walt wasn't as crazy as they thought that he was Even Hollywood tries to help us understand what substitutionary death looks like. Walt falls to the ground, is killed. The gang goes to prison because Walt has sacrificed his life. Young Tao, we come to find out, has been bequeathed in Walt's will, the Grand Torino. And the family is saved because of the self-sacrifice of Walt. I mentioned to you that Hollywood tries to capture as best they can this idea of self-sacrifice, of substitutionary death. They do the best they can, but that story is pointing to what all stories are pointing to, which is the the grand narrative of the Bible, whether people know it or not. It's pointing to the substitutionary death of Jesus. Now. Bear with me on this because you can imagine as people thought Walt was crazy, misunderstood, didn't trust him. Here is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has come to earth, hated, misunderstood. They want to kill him too. And sure enough, Jesus Christ suffers and dies a substitutionary death for his people. Each of the Gospels is an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. You have Matthew, you have Mark, you have Luke, you have John. Each from their own perspective. Yeah, there's a ton of overlap. There's a lot of continuity between the different gospel accounts. But John has his own witness to Christ. We're going to look at that some this evening. I want you to see it in four scenes because this really does act as a drama. We could give you other scenes. I could give you other scenes tonight. But just four scenes from Jesus' life and death his substitutionary life for us from John 18 and John 19. What I want you to see is that this Jesus was also completely misunderstood. They thought he was crazy too, but he was in control from beginning to end. He knew exactly what he was doing. Jesus, I want you to see as we go through these four scenes briefly this evening, was a victim, yes. But he was also a victor. He was king and he was marching to victory on the cross. And he was also a vicar. The the definition for vicar is one who acts as a substitution for another or a priest. Jesus was the great high priest, the true priest. Jesus is A victim, there's no doubt. It's horrible to read what we're going to read. But he's also a victor. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in control the whole time. He's moving step by step by step by his own free will to the cross so that he can be the victor and be the vicar, the one who substitutes himself for our sins. We've already seen this in John's gospel. I'll just give you a few examples of the complete control that Jesus is in from beginning to end. John chapter 10, For this reason the Father loves me, Jesus says, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. John 13, Jesus knew that his hour had come. Then verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And then chapter 13, verse 27, Jesus seeing Judas at the table who's betraying him, Jesus says to Judas, what you're about to do, Judas, do it quickly. Full knowledge of what was going on, every detail. Full control as king of every scenario we're going to walk through. Jesus was a victim, no doubt, but he was also the victor, the victorious king, and he was the vicar, the one who would give his life. Let's look at scene one, John chapter 18, 1 through 11. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. He's in Jerusalem at this point. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you, I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Well, you first see Jesus as the victim here. He is betrayed. He's betrayed by one of his own, Judas. But just because Jesus knew it was going to happen didn't mean it didn't hurt. Imagine the moment. Imagine the betrayal. And then we learn from Luke chapter 22, another account. Judas walks up and he kisses him. Betrayal. Because Jesus is a victim. a victim. But I also hope you see here, Jesus is absolutely in control. He's the victor. Look at these verses. I read them to you, 18.4. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him. Verse 8 and 9. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you're looking for me, let these men go. He's in charge here. This happened so that the words he had spoken will be fulfilled. I've not lost one of those you gave me. Verse 11, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? How was Jesus the victor? Here's Peter. Scholars will tell you that Peter most likely was swinging to take off Malchus's head. He wasn't, it wasn't a precision strike that went over the top of his shoulder and tried to nick his ear. Peter wanted to kill him, but he missed, probably ducked, probably clipped his ear. And Jesus says, Peter, what are you doing? I'm in charge here. Shall I not do what God has appointed me to do? Matthew's gospel says that Jesus said to Peter, do you not know I could call 12 legions, several thousand angels right now. They'd be here at the click of my fingers if I needed to. But I'm here because I'm the victor, I'm king. And then we see this king is God. He says, Ego A me in the Greek, I am. And when he says I am, they fall back to the ground. You see, he's not just a victim, he's the victor. It reminds us of what Moses asked in Exodus chapter three, he says, "Tell me your name, God. and God says, I am. John's gospel is well known for his I am statements. And this is the culmination. I am God the king. They fall to the ground. And they must have been completely out of their minds at this point. They must have been so frazzled. He says, I am. They fall down. They can't even get their wits. So Jesus asks them again. He's in charge here. Who is it you want? He asks them a second time. They say, Jesus of Nazareth. Let's move on to the vicar. Here's Jesus, not just the victim, not just a victor, but a vicar. Here in this darkest moment, he's thinking about others. Let these men go. He's not about himself. He's about others. Let them go. I'm who you want. And then he heals his enemy's ear. It doesn't say it in our gospel maybe as clearly as some of the others do, but Jesus puts the guy's ear back together. In his darkest moment, he's not about himself. He's about others. Peter, put that sword away. Don't you know that the very reason I am here is to drink the cup of God's wrath for my people? He's a vicar. (laughs) And verse 12 tells us the detachment of soldiers bound him to take him away. How foolish. This is Jesus. He is a victim, yes, but he's also a victor, and he's also a vicar. Scene 2, chapter 18, verse 12. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Now down to 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I've always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Here's the irony of this. Caiaphas had once said... Let's go ahead and let this guy die. Let's kill him. It'd be better to kill one in the place of all the rest. One man should die for the people than for some type of outbreak, some riot to happen. So let's go ahead and kill him. The irony is that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He's a vicar. One man is dying for the people. Jesus Christ is dying, he's dying for you, he's dying for me. You were on his mind in that moment. I was on his mind in that moment. He's a victim of course, he's struck, he's bound. Much has been written in books about the illegality of the trials. He's a victim here, he's total abuse of justice. What happens to Jesus in this moment? And the high priest asked him according to Mark's gospel, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tears his clothes. They spit on him, they punch him, they blindfold him. In this one verse, you see Jesus. He says, I am a victim, yes, but I'm the victor and you're gonna see me seated at the right hand of the father and I am the vicar giving my life for you. Annas, he can't do anything with them, so he sends them to Caiaphas. And here, two high priests are standing before the high priest, who is the priest who represents them to God, and they don't even know it. He is a vicar. Scene three, verse 28. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor, By now it was early in the morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. That's why they wanted to remain clean. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would have not handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words of Jesus that he had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoning Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. For this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Here's the irony again. These evil men... Trying to stay clean because they want to enjoy the Passover Lamb. And the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is standing right in front of them. He's a victim. He's a vicar. He's falsely accused. He had done no wrong, as 18 verse 30 tells us, he's a victim, a victim. But he's also a victor and he's also a vicar because he had set this whole thing up that he would die by being lifted up on a cross. Completely in charge of the whole situation, working out his sovereign will. He's a victor king in this moment. He's winning here. He's going to the cross and he's doing it because he's a vicar going to take the sin of the world on himself as our substitute. Pilate says, are you, are you the king of the Jews? <laughs> He's incredulous. He's smirking. Really? This is the best thing the Jews can come up with? This is your king? And Jesus says, actually, yeah, I am king. But not a king of this world. Pilate, I actually don't even have time to meddle in your kingdom. I'm a universal cosmic king. I've always been king. I always will be king. My kingdom is of another world, and I am marching my people to victory even as I stand in front of you, Pilate. I am king, but I'm not a revolutionary. I am going to win because I'm victor, but I'm going to win by being the vicar. You see, he was a king. In fact, he's prophet, priest, and king. And then there's Barabbas. Here's the, uh, the injustice again. Here's Jesus who's done no wrong. Pilate says so himself. And so this other criminal is going to go free. That is so unjust. But that's what a vicar does. He's dying in the place of sinners. Pilate says, I find no guilt in him, and yet he's still going to die. He's a victim. But he's a victor, and he's a vicar. One more scene, chapter 19, 1 through 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. He's a victim. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. He's a victim. They clothed him in a purple robe and they went up to him and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him in the face. He's a victim. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And yet he's still going to die here, friends. He's a victim. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he went back in, even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to free Jesus But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought out Jesus and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement in which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. There's more scenes to the story, but those are the four we'll look at tonight. They strike him, they mock him, they humiliate him, they strip him, they scourge him, they flog him, they spit on him, he's a victim. They hail him, they put a robe and a crown on him, mocking him, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true because he's a victor, he is king. Pilate says to him, do you not know what kind of power I have, Jesus says, you only have authority that's been given to you by me and my father because I'm king and I'm the victor. And they refer to Caesar. And this is really the last straw because what Pilate doesn't want is a revolutionary that's a threat to Caesar. So Pilate hands him over to be killed, to be crucified. He was more interested in his own survival than he was justice because Jesus is indeed a victim. And then there's a judgment seat here because this king who is the victim is really the victor because he is going to take the full wrath of the judgment of God. Why? Because he's a vicar and he's doing it for you, and he's doing it for me. He is the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is a victim. But he's in charge, and he's winning here. He's a victor. And he's doing it for you and for me, taking the wrath of God on himself as our vicar, dying in our place. This king is victorious in this moment. Don't miss it. The forces of evil have brought their best at him. And they're playing into his hands so that he can die for you and for me. I found this recently on the internet, I want you to say the picture of it. I didn't know who it was. I blurred out the names, it doesn't matter. But I thought this was profound. I think this was Twitter maybe. Oh, it says it, Twitter, there you go. Someone said, we should just pin all the debt in the world to one guy and then kill him. The person that responded said, I'm a pastor And pal, I've got good news for you. You can take that down. Would you look at me just for one more second? We're about to share in the Lord's Supper together. And if you're here tonight and you understand that you're a sinner, I've got good news for you. Because God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish and have everlasting life. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the one whose death we remember tonight, was certainly a victim. But he's also a victor. And what this table reminds us is that he is our vicar. Leaves just one question for you as we end. How will you respond to this one who is your victim? Victor and Vicar. The Jews didn't get it. The soldiers didn't get it. Caiaphas didn't get it. Annas didn't get it. Malchus didn't get it. Bar- Barabbas didn't get it. Do you get it? Let's pray and ask God's grace that we would get it this night. Oh, Father, would you, by your Holy Spirit, remind us again of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the King of love, who is a victim. But by his own choosing, he laid down his life and it was victory for us, victory for him, because he is our vicar. Die in our place. We bless you for it. Cause us to believe it again. And for those who don't yet know Jesus, would they believe it tonight for the first time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Let's sing together.